Hi everyone and welcome to the FFS show, a podcast about misinformation and fact-checking by The Ferret. I am your host, Ali Bryan, and with me as always is my fellow host, Sam Gonsalves. How are you doing, Sam? Hey Ali, I'm good. Good to be here with you on another episode of the podcast. So obviously as we're recording, the Russian attack on Ukraine is uh, continuing and as always in these sort of developing situations particularly when there's a conflict going on there is a lot of misinformation and disinformation being shared around online later in the podcast i'm going to be speaking to ernie piper from the misinformation and fact-checking organization logically he's put together a brilliant guide about how you can be more responsible when you're posting online or when you're sharing things about the ukraine conflict what to look out for when you see things and when to share things, when to not share things, and how to understand the sort of broader context and the sort of different factors and different powers at play behind information which you see online. And, you know, worth saying, just as a reminder, if you're listening to the podcast, we also, on the Fair website, we've uh, published already mm-hmm. a story about uh, refugees coming from Ukraine with ties to Scotland. So there's a really interesting uh, story up on the website just now. Um, we're also, we're, we're covering it from different perspectives as well. Uh, so if you'd like to know more about the story from yeah. this particular kind of Scottish angle, um, go over to uh, theferret.scot and, and we'll have more there for you. Um, and if there are any specific bits of yeah. misinformation that you found online, you know, like Ali was saying, there's so much going on right now. Um, we have this link that is checkmyfact.paperform.co. So if you see anything, any claims being made online about something that's happening in Ukraine and Russia, something in regards to, to asylum seekers or refugees, um, then fill in. It's a very, it's only a four question form. Just fill that in. Um, and we might be able to check it for the next episode of the podcast. Yep, that's a good point. And I'll also be recommending a few good quality fact-checking and other sites that's worth keeping an eye on uh, with regards to the conflict. But in other news, uh, we've recently had a fact-check about COVID-19 and the vaccines. Uh, should we talk a little bit about that uh, just now, Ellie? Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so Ali, tell me this fact check. What is the central claim? Why are you fact checking this week? So we've been looking into a claim about the COVID-19 vaccine from uh, a website called The Daily Expose, who we've um, fact checked before, and they've uh, promoted Mm -hmm. misinformation about the vaccine and vaccination uh, previously. This piece uh, is a claim that's shared more than 500 times on Facebook and had thousands of interactions on Twitter, across social media, saying that COVID-19 data from Scotland was showing that people who are fully vaccinated were developing AIDS. So what the claim is is that Public Health Scotland is no longer going to publish COVID-19 data because, like you said, it shows that fully vaccinated people are developing AIDS. Is that right? Is that the claim? That is the claim, yeah. No, I mean, immediately reading that, it strikes me as false. Um, Yeah. Is that is that where you arrived at with this? Uh, yeah. To spoiler alert, that is how that's the, the verdict <laughs> we came to was false. Yeah. Even though I think probably most people when they see it will think that's not true. It's um, getting a lot of traction on the internet, and similar claims are getting a lot of traction. So explain to me a little bit about what they mean 
when they're saying that people are developing AIDS, and and it's actually uh, they don't quite say AIDS. Is that right? Is it, there's this other term that they use, which is the V A AIDS or V AIDS? Uh, can you explain to me what that is? Yeah. So they do in the headlines say people are developing AIDS. Um, they right. just the, the AIDS that they're referring to is a so-called condition they call VADES. So that's so okay. AIDS is acquired immune deficiency syndrome, and obviously we all know, uh, many people will know that it describes a number of sort of potentially life-threatening infections or illnesses which are caused by damage to your immune system from HIV virus. Yeah, VADES, as they call it is described as vaccine-induced acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So that's uh-huh. suggesting that people that, that the vaccine is causing people to basically have the immune system, the, the damaged immune system that you get from the, the people who have AIDS get from the HIV virus, they're suggesting that's coming from vaccines. Right. VADES is not a known condition. It's not recognized as a condition. This is a condition that's been invented by... Anti-vax websites, anti-vax um, influencers. And what they're claiming is that the uh, the reason behind this VADES thing is that people with the vaccine seem to be more likely to to contract the virus or to to have a worse kind of immune system. The sort of pseudoscience behind the the term VADES and behind what the claim that's made in the article is that yeah. The, the is using data from Public Health Scotland, which is uh, the where the official data on uh, vaccination and COVID cases and stuff comes from. Mm-hmm. Um, and the they're using data which is showing a, a higher rate of people who have been double vaccinated getting COVID than those who have been unvaccinated. Right now, if you've listened to this podcast before or you've uh, enjoyed any of the ferrets uh, ferret fact services fact checking before you'll know that we've actually fact checked that statement before and how that's right. a really misleading claim their claim has always been that if the rate of unvaccinated cases of covid is lower than the rate of vaccinated cases that that shows that vaccination is having a negative effect on your ability to resist covid essentially but that's right. really really misleading uh because there's loads yeah. of factors which can affect the case rates for covid19 between vaccinated on vaccinated people we've written about this before as i said all the kind of statisticians and scientists behind it say that the comparison between the two groups to the you know being vaccinated or unvaccinated doesn't necessarily show the picture of how effective covid vaccines are sure a number of studies that show that the covid vaccination is effective we teased it at the start mm. but this was a false verdict yeah we went with false because um there's no evidence that people are developing a, a vaccine-related acquired immune deficiency syndrome or VADES. VADES is not a recognized condition. Um, yeah. And using kind of st- Scottish COVID data showing the waning, you know, the waning strength of the vaccine or even uh, different case rates between vaccinated and unvaccinated people, it's just completely misleading and it doesn't show any sure. development of that condition at all, if it, if, it, if it, even if it did exist, which it doesn't. Now it's time for my interview with investigative journalist Ernie Piper from the anti-misinformation and fact-checking platform Logically. I started by asking him, what are some simple things that people can do to avoid sharing misinformation around the Ukraine conflict? Sharing false or misleading information, there's really high stakes because a lot of people depend on social media for vital information during a conflict. You know, people might 
use social media to communicate with each other about where's safe or what's going on. So it is really important. So if, I think the first thing to do is just think about kind of the stakes of what sharing mm -hmm. that information is. Um, I would recommend specifically the SIFT methodology from uh, the Disinfo researcher Mike Caulfield. Um, and SIFT is just very simple. It's stop, investigate, find better coverage, track it back to the source. So, yeah. and, the, and the first and most important step is to stop. You just have to stop. You have to notice your emotional response because, um, you know, a lot of content is designed to get a rise out of you, uh, anger or fear or excitement or, or something, or, or even something that you agree with and, and it makes you really uh, feel like you're raising awareness for something important. Um, all yeah. of this, these kinds of reactions uh, are, you know, that's meant to be inspired by the content. So first is to stop and notice that and like try and figure out what it is. And then the other three steps, investigating the content a little bit more closely, find what other people have said about the same incident, and then try and find the original source of the claim or the image or the video that uh, you're seeing. So it's just giving yourself permission to like not hit the share button right away and instead like dig a little bit deeper into everything that you're seeing. Yeah, well, I think that's a really good, a really good point. And also it's worth noting that that's kind of the point of a lot of this misinformation, kind of a lot of the reason why this misinformation is uh, being shared and why people are using the social medias to promote it is that they know they will have an emotional reaction with people and people will want to you know, hit the share button because they feel outraged or whatever. So they're sort of playing on people's emotional reactions to things already. Absolutely, absolutely. And that's why, uh, because social media is this emotion amplification tool that can really spread those emotions really fast to a lot of other people, um, it's really, really important to just try and be aware first and foremost of what emotion a content, a piece of content is intended to make you feel. So you, you might see uh, an image or a video or uh, some sort of claim online from, a, from uh, a social media account that you follow or maybe you don't follow. What are some of the signifiers that that account or and the information that account that's been shared by that account might be unverified or false? One I would say is look if it's a bit sensationalized if somebody's saying hmm. like breaking news alert here and there's lots of little like I don't know klaxon emojis. Um, yeah. that's, that's a warning signal that maybe somebody is, you know, it, it could be important information and it could be really vital, but at the same time, it's just something to pay attention to. Um, and then it's important to look at the context that the information appears in. So look at other posts on that account and see what kinds of things they write about. Look at the hashtags, if you're on Instagram or TikTok or even Twitter, about, um, what other kinds of uh, narratives and communities that this content is attached to. You know, oftentimes you'll get a video which looks uh, quite blasé and doesn't look like it's saying anything necessarily wrong, but there might be a conspiratorial hashtag in uh, the metadata or something else like that. Um, look out for spelling mistakes. Look out for clunky editing if it's a photo or a video. And, and really, most importantly, like, read the comments. Read the quote tweets. Read the... Um, if you're on TikTok, look at the stitched videos and see what other people are saying. So it's really important to check all of the con context around the information to get a full picture of what's being said. We're dealing with actual propaganda here, and that adds another layer of making, which makes it more difficult for people to uh, fact check their information and you know to, to to 
kind of go through the morass of social media to try and find accurate information. So is there any tips you could give people to spot when an account is just prop- sharing propaganda or is a propaganda tool of the Russian state? That one is quite tricky because Russia does have a really um, sophisticated propaganda distribution network. Yeah. Basically, the the shape of it is that you have these uh, media channels that are affiliated directly and openly with the Russian state. Um, but then there are loads and loads of other uh, websites or publications that are more loosely affiliated with the mm. Russian state or have un- unattributed affiliation uh, yeah. with the Russian state. And these are called the gray propaganda sites. And then you also have the, the troll farms and the bot networks that sort of distribute and dilute this content as it, and, and change the narratives so that it f- better fits different audiences. And so often the stories that it tells can contradict itself or overlap. Mm. Um, but I think the best way of spotting propaganda is to get familiar with like what the main narratives are that uh, especially Russia is putting out about itself and what is the story that it wants to tell about itself in this conflict. Uh, and if you're familiar with those narratives, then it might help you spot them when they get changed and their forms uh, transform as they move across social media. Well, then that leads us perfectly on to those narratives. <laughs> and right. uh, I wonder if you could take us through a little bit of the, the sort of narrative context we're talking about. Yes. So uh, definitely one of the biggest narratives that we're going to see is that, you know, Putin in his declaration of war speech said something about wanting to denazify Ukraine. So this is a common thing that the Ukrainian government is illegitimate, is like a far right um, activist group or, or is oppressing its own citizens. Um, and that they're Nazis. This is this is one of the common misinformation uh, tactics that the Russian government is using to legitimize its attack. Um, so if you see that, that's a good sign that something is going on. And, and that's not to say that you know Ukraine doesn't have Nazis in it. Like most European countries and America and the UK, there are neo-Nazi groups or other far-right groups who have uh, are affiliated with neo-Nazi ideology, but. Of course, Russia has its own groups as well that are into those. So Um, uh, other narratives that we're seeing is, of course, uh, the oppression, like Russia claims that uh, uh, Donetsk and Luhansk are being oppressed by uh, the Ukrainian government and that Ukraine is like preparing to attack uh, those uh, places, which is why Russia said like this is what justifies us declaring them as independent republics. Um, and invading to protect them. So that's another thing. Um, And then we're also seeing narratives that are about like the Ukrainian military themselves, either that they're fleeing or that they're sustained heavy casualties and um, uh, their ranks are broken or that they're uh, uh, committing war crimes like using human shields and doing other sorts of disgraceful acts that would make them look bad. Um, so those are sort of the main narratives that Russia is pushing in this conflict. And then there's also the wider narrative of NATO or the U.S. versus Russia. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the other uh, conflict that Russia wants to put this conflict in context with. Um, and it's not to say, of course, you, you know, people can criticize NATO and the U.S. as well, but it's just important to understand that that's the context that Russia is using to legitimize this conflict. And if you compare it to the other narratives that they're using to legitimize this conflict, often these narratives contradict themselves. 
in a general sense, people in the West feel very unempowered in the in what they can do to help in this conflict. But also in terms of countering propaganda and countering bad information, they feel really unempowered. So apart from using the SIFT methods we talked before and the kind of like don't sharing, don't share bad information. Are there any things that the kind of citizens can do to counter this sort of propaganda as it goes about online? There uh, are actually, um, and 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 the main thing to do is to share verified information from sources that you that you know and trust, and that you know the information is good, and amplify narratives that you feel are more helpful to that. Yeah. Um, information like the, Russia is conducting a kind of information warfare, and. Mm. The, the main goal of this information warfare is to polarize and divide people by preying upon um, existing divisions within a community. Um, you, you know, there, communities always have these seeds of polarization with them because there's always disagreements that can happen over all sorts of things. But yeah. it's, it's important to be aware of when those uh, disagreements can really uh, be magnified into larger rhetorical conflicts. And so it's important to understand that when you're like going about your business on social media and you find stuff like it, fighting with people is not necessarily the best thing you can do because yeah. creating polarization and fighting with people online is kind of helping out uh, Russia's aims because they want to create this chaotic uh, information yeah. environment where it's not clear on who to trust and it's not clear what's real. So the best thing that you can do rather than, you know, fighting people is find things that you think are valuable and that are like helpful narratives and that is like verified good information and share that. Thanks a lot to Ernie for his uh, insights and hopefully you found that useful. And a big shout out to Ernie and all the team at Logically for all the work they're doing. And I would once again urge you to go to websites like Vox Ukraine or Stop Fake uh, and any of the other fact checkers that are accredited by the International Fact Checking Network to find out accurate and timely information about the Ukraine conflict. If you want to uh, continue following uh, some of our fact check stuff and some of our more general coverage, of uh, what's happening in Ukraine and in, in specifically through the lens of, of Scotland, uh, you can find us on social.theferret.scot. If you go over there, you have all our social media, all our website and emails and all the bits that you need uh, from us. Uh, you can submit your fact check, like I said, and you can subscribe to this uh, podcast if you're listening to it uh, just this week because you wanted to catch up on the world's events. Uh, don't forget to click the subscribe button. Other than that, we'll be back in a couple of weeks uh, with more podcasts from you, for you, from from us, and for you. From us, for you. From us, for you, with everyone. Uh, that's our <laughs> new slogan for the podcast. Yeah, yeah expect <laughs> to see that on t-shirts soon. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye.